welcome to another episode of Planet Us. Today we have a guest with us who's going to talk about what he does, how he does it, and if he actually likes what he does. So I'm just going to let you go and introduce yourself. What's going on, folks? Thank you, Shetty, for having me on first and foremost. Uh, my name is Andrew. I work in the uh, sports and entertainment industry in the Northeast. I, uh, I serve as a uh, corporate trainer or manager of training and development there. Um, I think a lot of what has to do with my role is servicing a lot of our corporate functions with all their training initiatives. So working with a lot of their business leaders to kind of understand the current status of their staff, where, where the talent gaps are, where there is a room for improvement for a lot of things. Um, and a lot of it has to come with uh, guest service and hospitality. So being in that sports and entertainment industry, a lot of my job revolves around um, the folks actually working in our venues and delivering the guest experience to the folks that pay a lot of money to go to our events. So um, a lot of my focus is around that, especially around this time of year. Um, so a lot of what my job has to do with is hospitality training, conflict management, how to deal with impaired guests a lot. Um, so it's good. It's rewarding. Um, I bring on a lot of people throughout the year because uh, the business does require a heavy, uh, heavy amount of hiring around a certain point in time. And there is a decent amount of turnover as well. So I'm kind of just getting everyone on the same page and motivated for the new year. And that's what I got. Awesome. So what I'm getting is basically a big part of your job is training people how to better do their jobs. Yes. Right. So how do you get into something where you have to train and maybe the training chain is the same for, let's say, the guest facing employees. But how do you get into something that has, you know, you have to train corporate employees, you have to train, you said, guest services people. So how do you get into that? Yeah. So there's. I think a lot of it has to do with and understanding the population that you're speaking to. Um, <clears throat> it takes a lot of time to kind of understand what resonates with people and what doesn't, depending on what their job is, um, education level, goals. So I think in this industry, it takes a lot of time and effort working with people to understand where their workforce currently sits, asking the right questions, making sure you're targeting the right areas, um, and really motivating people to understand that a lot of their job is the day to day, but also taking time out of your day to realize that um, I need to work on myself and make sure I'm developing on myself because that also leads to a lot of um, higher retention when people feel like they're being invested in. And a lot of my job has to do with providing them with the tools and resources that they feel like they need to do to um, or have to do their job well. Um, and again, that just promotes a positive company culture. And at least for more success from the company standpoint, if people understand what they're doing and they have the right tools in place to, to do that. So um, I always want to uh, market myself to them and say, listen, I'm a resource to you guys. Make sure you use me. Uh, a lot of the stuff I can design in-house and deliver for them or facilitate if that's what it needs to be. Uh, a lot of times I have to go externally and look for resources that way. But either way, as long as someone's actually getting value out of it, then that makes my job yeah. easier. So I know this. It's definitely an HR function right? What you do. But when you, and you explain this great in a detailed way, but if you're talking to, let's say not your existing friends, but if you go to a bar, you go to a party and someone comes up to you and they're like, Hey, and you, Hey, what's up? What's up? What do you do? Do you say HR or do you say I do, you know, corporate training or whatever it is? Because for me personally, I know there's a preconceived notion of who HR is. And then if you get into detail, the notion changes. But what do you introduce yourself as? I lead right off the bat with training and development. So you don't even touch HR? Solely because of what you just talked about, about the stigma that comes with HR. Yeah. 
And I feel like when people think about HR, they think about recruiting or employee relations issues, which really doesn't have anything to do with what I do. Yeah. Uh, I really come in after that process. Yeah. So I help with onboarding and the fact that I train employees and make sure they understand what the company is about, the culture, um, and educating them on the industry itself. But I don't partake in any specific employee relations issues, which people have a problem with HR with number one. Um, the recruiting aspect I'm really out of until they actually get onboarded and hired. Um, and I'm not really involved with benefits, payroll, compliance, a lot yeah. of the things that people think about with HR. So I, I really stick to training development because that's really where my passion sits and it's not really in the greater HR function. And well, I really couldn't do my job without all those other folks for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I'm explaining to somebody, I really stick to the training aspect because that's really where I think I sit. And it, it really, it wouldn't be accurate for me to just say I work in HR because HR is so broad and I feel like people on a bigger scale don't even understand what HR does. And I really view it as the glue to an organization a lot of times. So, so that's correct. You name like so many different parts of HR mm -hmm. that people have no idea about. Um, but do you ever act as an advocate for HR? Where like, okay, I did training and development, do the whole spiel, you know, people know what you do now, but then circle it around and be like, Hey, this is HR, by the way. Hey, yeah, HR. I am a big advocate. There you go. Um, well, obviously number one in my company, pretty much all my friends that I have in the company are in HR. So I definitely want to promote them to all the businesses that I work with and make sure that they know that they have all these resources and people available all the time that we feel like are underutilized, can help in a lot of situations. I think for me specifically, a lot of the teams wait till something goes wrong to bring me or somebody else from HR in yeah. when they could have helped a month ago or weeks ago before the problem even occurred. So, um, and I think HR is the one team that is just underappreciated in most organizations. Yeah. And I think they bring so much value that people don't even know. And they do so much behind the scenes work. And I think it's really taken for granted a lot of the time. So any chance I have to bring somebody else from people, uh, HR into the equation, then it helps yeah. tremendously because they can provide a lot of information that I'm not even aware of. So, so this is good though. So everyone listening should actually realize the amount of facets that go into HR, and I bet it goes into accounting. The same thing applies for finance and a bunch of other things, right? So this is good. But all right, so now let's move on to a little more personal kind of face, right? So you, and I think a lot of people face this issue, and we spoke to Stacy a couple of weeks ago, and she faces too, right? So when you explain to people on the first, and you don't go into, I hope you don't go into this much detail when you explain to people what you do, but when you do explain it, do they, what is the percentage of people that understand after one go that, okay, that's what Andrew does. And if let's say 10 people in the room, you explain to 10 people, what do you think the honest truth is when people understand what you do? Probably 50 to 60%, I would say. That's a high percentage. And yeah, and I would always want more time to explain it, but obviously yeah. a lot of times, especially if you're speaking about like an elevator pitch type thing, I mean, to get out what I do in 15 seconds is really tough. Yeah. Um, I think what resonates with people is the fact that I train a lot of our guest facing staff in the venues, but that really is only about 30 to 40% of my job. Yeah. A lot of it comes with the corporate functions and, you know, training development can serve a, a lot of different roles in a lot of different organizations. So I think that's why it's tough because not some people in some organizations training and development sits at its own division entirely. Sometimes yeah. it sits within the HR umbrella. So a lot of people have different definitions for it, which is why I think it's difficult for some people to 
understand right off the bat the purpose or what I do on a daily basis. So I also think it's 50 to 60 because training and development actually hits a lot of corporate functions. Yeah. Right. A lot of managers now, irrespective of what company you're in, what department you're in, are thinking about training and development. So I guess it resonates in that sense. So it's easier in a sense to explain to people than someone who's doing, you know, something specific to a specific company or in terms of that. Definitely. And I think the industry as a whole has grown tremendously in the past five to 10 years with more and more companies investing in that space um, because it has to do with retention. It has to do with employees understanding and feeling impact from the organization that they're actually participating in their goals. They have an actual um, outlook and desire to make sure that people are attaining their personal or career goals. So L&D is a huge part of that. So... Okay, so we talked about the 50-60% that understand what you do and the reasons why, right? Mm-hmm. Let me talk about the 40% that don't. Yeah. Two questions or one question with a little side question. Do you care if some, you spend maybe, say, five minutes explaining to someone and they're like, you know what? I really don't understand what you do. No. But my second question is, you think it's that, it's that your personality, which we'll dive into, but is that your personality that doesn't care or do you think – you as a person should not care as, as in general people who are listening do you think it's valuable to kind of sometimes insist that they care or you just don't uh you know if it's someone that i mean for the first time and i'm trying to explain what i do and they don't understand the message or and they not, say it in the most polite way like hey man i really don't understand yeah yeah i mean for me personally for anyone that knows me that's what i said there's uh, a lack of patience comes in sometimes um, and this is actually something that my job has actually helped me work on the past five years is, grow, uh, is increasing my patience because I deal with a lot of different employee bases, a lot of different populations, a lot of different backgrounds. And it's funny because in a personal setting, I have way less patience than I do in a professional setting. Okay. Um, so in a personal setting, if I'm actually explaining my job to somebody or what I do and you can't fully grasp what I'm doing within five minutes, then I think, I think there's a problem there. Um, and I'm not going to spend any more time <laughs> trying with, to explain it to you. Is it a problem with the person listening or is it a problem with I would think so because I've <laughs> had to explain my job so many times. I explain it to everybody they actually train and get in front of yeah. on a consistent basis. So I have it pretty down pat as to explain what I do on a daily basis yeah. because I feel like it's important if I'm actually training a group of 20 to 30 people that it's important that they know exactly what my role is in the organization. 100%. So I have to explicitly explain that almost every day. True. So again, and if someone doesn't get within five minutes, I will assume that they're either pretty junior in their career or they work for a smaller startup where they don't training development is more of an afterthought and it doesn't even exist in their organization. So they haven't really had exposure to that area. So, so would you spend time if you, more time if you knew that was the cause? If someone who's... If they had a legitimate desire to exactly. understand more. Okay. okay. But if they just ended the conversation saying, I don't really get it, then I'm like, okay. Doesn't matter. You know, there's no point in William Mason any more time talking about it. So good. But you brought up a good point, right? You said your personal and kind of professional, the tolerance level, the patience. Definitely. And I know I know I personally did go through this um, back in college and I did my own ways. But I want to know how, and I'm pretty sure people listening though want to know too, is how do you want separate that, right? Because you're still the same person. Yeah, you could act a different way. But things like patience and, you know, the way you operate, that's like inbuilt, right? Mm-hmm. And I bet you're trying to increase your patience personally too. I don't know if you're trying, but how do you... I should be if I'm I not. Should, yeah. So how do you go... And I, you said it was your work, that, but you have to also kind of have a point of 
consciousness, right? To be like, okay, I need to expand this. What was, I want to ask, what was the point that maybe kind of poked you to be like, hey, I need to increase my patience and how'd you do it? Uh, definitely just practice. I think watching other people that are good at what they do, especially if it's in within your same department, interesting kind of what works for them helps a lot. And I think I realized, I guess, pretty early on within my first year that what I'm doing has a legitimate impact on the organization and you're representing way more than just yourself. So in personal situations, you're really just representing you. But when you actually get up in front of people and you're working in an organization, you represent a lot more people um, and the whole mission of the organization uh, and the image of it. So I think that when that clicked in my head, I had to understand that there are a lot of things, personal things that you kind of just have to put to the side and there's things that have to come first and you have to put forward some of these either attitudes or feelings or emotions to the forefront or some to the background, depending on who you're speaking to. And was that a specific moment that it clicked or was that you just learning the job? I think it's learning the job. Yeah. And I think when you see the people react to what you're saying, that helps. And over time I've learned. So you've done the wrong thing first. Definitely. definitely. You understand kind of what, uh, what resonates with people, what doesn't, um, what turns people off, what really gets them engaged or feeling like, you know, they're bought into what you're saying. And really that just comes with practice. I mean, I've changed, even if it's a certain um, subject that I'm training on, I mean, over time, I'll just constantly adjust and adjust and adjust to make it more applicable and take the learnings I've had from past trainings and and figure out how I can finagle it to just resonate more with the audience. And again, that comes with practice. And really that's with with any job. I mean, you just learn how to do it better over time. So, And it's always a learning Definitely. Kind of thing, right? And that's something in my job is what we always try and present to people is that you're always learning. Um, and again, I, I have to train people that work in the venues and have been there for 40 or 50 years. So it's up to me to make sure that they understand that there are things that are constantly changing in the hospitality and guest service space. And that even though they feel like they know everything there is to know about that, I have to present new topics, new ideas to get them engaged and feel like they're actually getting new material out of it. So, Okay, that's awesome. So last question regarding this little topic. Do you think there's a there's a level of respect? I don't want to use that word inappropriately, but the level of respect or a kind of sense that people judge you in a way when you say you're training and development rather than someone who else, some other job. You think that people talk to you first, right? Without knowing what you do, see you in a certain way. Do you think that perspective changes? Because... I know you for what three years now, right? Close yeah. to three years in uh, great guy, but you're all you're also, yeah. But you're also very outgoing. You're competitive, and um, but when you talk about training and development, you almost think of someone who's like you know, super compassionate and super this. And I don't think it's a bad thing, but I don't think that's a hundred percent you. You know, that's a complete different. Like there's a difference. Yeah, yeah. So do you think people look at you in a different way almost when you say you're doing training and stuff like that, or? it kind of sticks with the same personality. Like your personality overbears that. What do you think? I, I, I mean, personality definitely comes in just because that's what makes you different from everyone else, right? So there's no getting rid of that. But um, at the same time, there are – yeah, I mean, I don't know if people would interpret it differently because me as a person, I mean, I have – I'm high energy, yeah. which I think you just have to be with a trainer. I have a pretty loud voice, which you – Anyone listening can probably understand that. I'll probably have um, more though. But yeah, so like projecting my voice has never been a problem. And I've always kind of enjoyed speaking in front of people. So 
Um, personality definitely comes in because that's what separates you from everyone else and makes you a unique trainer because you have your own flavor on it. Yeah. Um, and that's what makes you stand out to everybody listening. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there's certain, I guess, emotions and stuff that I'll show to employees or people that I'm working with that any of my personal friends outside of work would never see. And okay. I guess that's just how it is because there are slight differences, obviously, the way you navigate personal life and professional life. Yeah. And people that I work with will, a lot of them will never see me in a, in a personal light. Exactly. And a lot of my personal friends will never see me in a professional light. So, yeah. so this was my, not argument, but I've had debates with a bunch of my friends and people, acquaintances about how your personal and professional are so different, right? Yeah. I'm also a big advocate of that it could be intertwined. I feel like we all know people who are intertwined and you could be successful in both ways. Do you think you could be successful in both ways? If you, like, I know you've separated your personal and uh, professional life, but in terms of like someone whose personal and professional is intertwined in terms of that they're the same person personally and they're the same person professionally. You think they could? Yeah. I mean, if you, if your line of work kind of allows for that, yeah. You know, I, it's difficult because you think on an average it does. I know it's a very vague question, but at an average, when you look at careers, you talk to your friends, how do you think this is a good thing though, but how do you, how many, how many of your friends do you think are completely different or they've said they're completely different at work? I, I can semi picture some of my friends in their jobs. Some of them I definitely can't. Yeah. Just from what I know them and how, they, <laughs> how they operate, you know? So it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy. And I think it'd be interesting for people to be able to see their friends in their roles and see what they actually do on a day to day and how they conduct themselves. I think, you know, if I'm not in front of people trading and I'm just walking around the office talking to people, I mean, I'm pretty, pretty natural. My, my normal personality and, and emotions will come out. Like there's no hiding that. And that's what makes people you know, enjoy your presence because you exactly. have a you can't uniqueness about it. Yeah. You can't have a fake facade because people will see right through that. So, exactly. um, I think when I, you know, if I'm in a front of a group of people, I do have to change a certain way that I'm coming across. Um, again, it doesn't come on, come with reading the audience, but yeah, I think it's interesting because I, I don't know how many people in their careers can just perfectly transition from personal and professional and not change a thing about the way they go about work. It's interesting, yeah. you know. So it is hard unless you're like a social media influencer, where you literally just build your brand off of what you do. And but yeah. even then, though, but even then, you don't people, even know how real that is. How many people are real? You see all these things about people being like coming out after one hundred percent. That they don't feel this type of way, or they were forced to do this way, or you know, this is not the real me. Yeah. But now you can come out and say this is not the real me, and that could be your brand. Yeah. And the majority of those people, they say, you know, they're miserable. They only show you the highest points of their life, and you don't even it's see the highlights. It's the highlight, hundred percent. Right? And Instagram so, is your highlight. Unfortunately, that makes everybody else who's looking at it depressed, feel like they're not doing enough, and they're yeah. constantly comparing themselves to these people that are in clubs or on the beach, and you know, meeting famous people all the time. But I just, I think that life is just way overstated. Really? Do you have any celebrity idols? Uh, celebrity idols. I think music-wise, Drake is definitely my favorite artist. For any, like, but he's not personal an idol. You don't look up to him. No, I, I wouldn't say I look up to him. Just a big fan. Yeah, definitely, one hundred percent. Although I think he goes about his business really well. Obviously, he makes great music, but I think he has a lot of other ventures that are successful. So that's something to be yeah. um, admired for. Um, I don't, I've never really had like an idol or a role model growing up. You had a mentor and not a, this work, but just professional. Not even, not really because, and it's funny because growing up in school, all they ask you about is like, who's your role model? 
and you always say like your dad or your mom or something like that. But like, and I could say my dad, like my dad was successful. Like he's, he's given me everything I need to have a successful life. So I, you know, I owe an infinite debt to him, but like someone I've always looked up to my entire life, aside from my parents, I never even really had, like, I don't know, no one ever really stuck out of my mind. Like I've always been a huge sports fan. So athletes are like the first thing that come to mind, but you know, they can only be a role model to a certain extent because they're a professional athlete. So you know, they got God-given ability, and obviously a lot of hard work and persistence comes into that, which I admire. But there's certain characteristics you can oh, pull Oh, sure, from that you can pull from, yeah. I always, I always say athletes because I feel like they're the most – or they're the closest to realness that you have in terms of anything or anyone in the limelight, right? Actors, too, I think so. Yeah. Um, when I say actors, I'm talking about, like, the De Niro's and the Al Pacino, like the actor-actors, not whatever. Yeah. But um, I'd rather have people – or I hope people incline more towards that where it's realness and not something that's made up. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I like a lot of innovative thinkers. Like I think Elon Musk is super interesting. Yeah. I love what he does. Um, you know, Jeff Bezos, who's literally the richest man in the world. I, yeah. You know, just to see where Amazon started. And I remember when that was barely even a thing where you could literally buy books off it and yeah. now you buy everything on it. And yeah. he's involved in, a lot of other ventures trying to go into space with his other company, Blue Origin. So that's super cool to me. Um, just so those guys that really just challenge the status quo and don't care what anybody else thinks. And luckily, they have the money to back up a lot of their projects and ideas. I think that's amazing. And a lot of them have built their money. So that's always yeah, good. Definitely. Um, I don't know. Whenever I sent actors or athletes in school, it just didn't go well with the teachers. I feel like they needed something more like. I always felt like they were looking for one. I was never giving it to them. I they were always looking for like historical figures or politicians. Yeah. And my athletes. go-to was always Wayne Gretzky just because I was a huge hockey fan. I played hockey throughout my whole life. But he was basically retired by the time I even really started watching ice hockey. I just knew he was the great one and the best to ever play. So, so I looked up to him, but I didn't really know anything about him. Exactly. You know, so. He could be. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Speaking about school, where did you go to college? I went to Syracuse University. Go Orange. So the best four years of my life, for sure. Um, learned a lot. I went to the business school there. I got my degrees in management and marketing. Um, I think what drew me a lot to the school was the sports atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Huge D1 school. So I was a big fan of that. Went to a lot of basketball games and football games. Um, and obviously the business program drew me to it as well. It was yeah. I applied early admission because I really wanted to go there. It was like a dream of mine since I was in high, uh, early high school, I guess, before I even really started thinking about college. But um, and I'm a big winter guy. Love the cold, love the snow. So fit me perfectly. I had to trek to class sometimes with some huge boots and pants, but it was worth it. Um, but yeah, uh, met a lot of great people there. Joined a fraternity while I was there. So I gained a lot of close friends while I was there. And, uh, yeah, I haven't, I've been back for one alumni weekend. I think the following year after I graduated, but since then I haven't been able to make it back, but hopefully, uh, Maybe hopefully we'll soon. soon. Yeah. Um, so Went to business school, and you got your major in what again? Sorry. Management and marketing. Management and marketing, which is the furthest thing I think from training and development. You can correct me, but I think it's not that close, right? No, and yeah, I mean, looking back, I don't even remember there even being a focus or concentration on training development. I mean, there was organizational psychology, which I think is kind of close. I think like we all bit. had to take that class in business. Yeah, I went through the basic one, but I never went to like Psych 205 or 300, whatever it is. Yeah. I, it just didn't really seem like the right path. And uh, I always enjoyed marketing and I always thought that was kind of what I was going to do once I graduated. But 
You soon find out once you graduate that. Stuff is different. <laughs> Stuff is different. Like, <laughs> they make it seem so clear cut in college about oh, yeah. what you're supposed to do and lining up your career. And it's just like, you're also talking about like 10 jobs, right? Yeah. These are the jobs you check. Yeah. Yeah. And even though my focus was in those spaces, like they do ask you to, like, I went through classes on supply chain and organizational psychology and yeah. human resource management and marketing and strategic management. So, it was hard for me to totally understand what I wanted to do. And I was always interested in marketing, but after going through what I know about marketing now and being in the corporate world for five years now, <laughs> there's so many different branches of marketing that to say you want to go in marketing doesn't even really mean anything. Do you want to go into brand management? Do you want to go into social media marketing? Do you want to go into search engine optimization? There's so many different areas that I really didn't even think about graduating. So looking back, didn't even really make any sense I wanted to go into marketing. I just thought some of the classes that I took were interesting. But you also it was my degree. But you also didn't think about trading and development. No, exactly. exactly. And so, so, yeah, when I was looking at jobs coming out of college, it was I, I tried to focus on marketing and I looked at these, you know, more junior roles and nothing was really sticking out to me. And, um, you know, my current company, I was looking for current uh, or, or available marketing roles that were entry level and there really wasn't anything available. But then I saw the... Um, training coordinator role that was available and I read the role and responsibilities and I said you know what why not just take a swing I feel like my skills and uh, a lot of my experience lies in really matches up well with what they're looking for so luckily I landed the interview and I interviewed with about four or five people then I got it and uh, it's probably the best thing ever happened to me because God knows what I'd be doing without the job but um, I've really been able to grow professionally and my career has grown through this path and it's been really great and my, my role gives me a lot of face time with people um, that are pretty, pretty senior in the organization. So it's, it's, I've been able to develop a lot of great relationships with the organization as well as outside of and been able to talk with some of the, you know, the brightest minds in the company. So it's were been you, great. Were you ever on, let's one step back, but when you were applying for these jobs, right? Mm -hmm. um, was there any other role that you really wanted and you applied for and it was like, oh, it doesn't work out? <sighs> Not really. I mean, I, I originally remember just setting my resume like literally anywhere because I graduated and I was, you know, I was at home for a couple months and did you panic? And like, that's like, what are you doing? You know, but a lot of my friends like didn't really have anything going on. So, you know, we were all just hanging out, but I knew like I had to get a job, but yeah. Um, so I was just sending my resume out everywhere and I would get callbacks and have some, you know, phone interviews and even face to face, but a lot of them didn't even pan out or I just, like I just said, listen, I'm no longer interested, even though I needed a job. But I was like, I'm not just going to dive into something to earn some money and not enjoy it. So luckily, the opportunity kind of fell in my lap for my for the role that I I uh, applied for. And, you know, it's, it's kind of worked out. So, yeah, I can't really complain. But that period when you graduate college and you're looking for jobs, it's, it's probably worst. one of the toughest of it's the anybody's worst. life because you feel pressure from all directions. And, um, people who don't even know you, people who don't even know you and your parents say, go get a job, go get a, go get a job when it's, when they feel like you just flip the switch and you have one. And you think it was easier for them to get a job? I, 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 I get, do. There are people, side note, there are people who say this that I know are from that generation and they're going to give me slack. 100%. So I, 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 it's difficult for me to claim that it's harder or it was harder five years ago or it's harder now. Um, but I think now, like, you just have to be so much more specialized in a certain area. And yeah. there are so many, again, there's thousands of jobs that exist now that didn't exist 20 years ago. So yeah. um, 
So you think it's easier? It's for difficult, us? and I I would never you know tell my dad it was way harder <laughs> for me, even though I probably said that to him when I was like pissed. But um, but yeah, I mean it, I can't speak to someone during a lifetime that I was even alive for. But yeah, but yeah, that's that's a that's a rough time. Do you think um, Syracuse? Let's not say Syracuse, but do you think college prepared you, or you could have done, or you could have learned more? Because I've had again, this stems from a conversation that I've had about the entire education system. Right? Yeah. It's a much broader conversation, but about how actually a lot of skills are not really that transferable. It's what it's like. You have to make that extra effort. I know I had to. Right? What I was thought in school when I went to start working, I was like, holy crap, I gotta. I got to step it up way more than one notch, right? I got to yeah, yep. twist and turn things. Yep. I got to, you know, take what I learned A, B, and C, kind of mix it up and come out with a D, like, you know, stuff like that. So do you think for you personally, even though, you know, your personal, I think your personality felt, fits perfectly with what you do. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think you're lucky in that case. Yeah, definitely. Um, people say my personality doesn't fit with what I do. Um, but do you think, you could have done more in college. Not that. What do people think? You're so you have to be a robot in your role. Yeah, I think so. People always say that I'm almost too social sometimes. I've told you so far. No, yeah, no, I understand I've that. Got I, feedback from like a bunch. I, of things I think that's that's a bad stigma though that you have to be an introvert to do like technical work or financial work or stuff like that, where you have to be drilled into data and the computer all the time. Yeah. Um, because I've like. You know, so many of those people, they, they have great personalities, but they're they're just good at that. So, you know, that's what they want to stay in. But it doesn't mean they can't have a good personality and talk to people. So, yeah. All right. So um, we're going to switch gears. Okay. And more towards personal goals. Okay. All right. So let's talk about goals, right? And let's forget about work for now. Mm-hmm. How important is it to you? to have personal goals and it could be no yes because you've had answers saying no absolutely not or yes but how important is it to have personal goals i think having personal goals is good um i also don't think it's totally necessary depending on where you are in your life um are you in that point in life that you need a goal yeah like i think and i think personal goals are difficult just because they change over time And as you kind of grow through your career and go through your life, I think your priorities change and reorganize. So the things that you thought were important that you wanted to achieve in five or 10 years are no longer important. And then you have to reset it. So I think there's a a larger goal that everyone tries to go for, whether it's something with their career or something they really want to achieve before they die. But, um, and I think having a, a greater just vision of where you want to be is good. Um, and again, something I do, at the beginning of the first of every year is, you know, the New Year's resolution that people do, but really at least something I actually do. Wow. Um, I'll write down like five to six goals I want to accomplish by the end of the year. And they don't have to be big. Like this past year, one was read a book every month, make your bed every morning. Um, to read every book yeah, every month. Yeah, and I did it and I accomplished it. But the key is that I actually put it down on my phone because I actually had to keep looking at it and saying, damn, like I need to get back on this. Like I'm, I'm falling short because if you just say it into thin air with nobody listening and it's just yourself, then it's hard to keep yourself accountable. So I think the New Year's resolution thing is really good if you actually stick to it and write it down. Um, and the, just small things. Like reading a book is really not that hard. I've literally put in 15 minutes a day and I got it done easily. Making your bed every morning, you might think it's stupid or simple, but when you actually do it and you come home and your bed is made, 
it's a great feeling. Game changer. Like, things organized. Yeah, yeah like you, you jump into a fresh bed. Like something like that can really set the set the tone for you. So um, just setting simple goals like that, daily goals. Um, always, I always create a to do list at the end of each day that when I walk into work the next day, I know exactly what I have to do and what I have to prioritize. So that for, that way, I don't feel disorganized or forgot about where I left off on a certain thing. So I think I think small goals throughout a year are definitely important just to keep you on track with things. Um, but larger goals have always are difficult. And I think anytime I've been in an interview and they ask you, where do you see yourself in five to 10 years? I hate that question. It's impossible. I really it's, hate that To question. me, it's impossible to answer because I think life can always take you in different directions that you never even it will. thought. It will and if you would ask me that question when I graduate college about where I would have been in five to 10 years, I mean, I wouldn't even be close to what I would have said back then. What I yeah. said back then wouldn't even have made any sense because it was just some ridiculous dream I had in my head that, I don't know. I had I had no even I had no thoughts of or steps to achieve it. So, what do you think is the hardest thing though for people? Like why I'm I'm I don't do any resolutions. I get a couple of times. I follow half of it. But what do you think is the hardest thing for people, or why they fall off of resolutions? And this is a very general question. But what do you think, or you face that's so hard? And what do you think people face that's so hard? I think it is determination. Flat out, I think laziness is a huge part. I mean, you say you want to do it, and then after a month or so, you say, you know what, this just isn't for me, or I'm tired, or whatever it is. Like, if that's what you convince yourself, like I listen to uh, Joe Rogan does one of my favorite podcasts, and he has a lot of people on the podcast that talk about motivation, having a daily schedule, and these guys just make you feel like shit if you feel like you're not working out every single day, yeah. getting up at six a.m. or whatever. And again, you don't have to be as crazy as some of those guys, but they have a point in the fact that you just have to make a decision every day whether you're going to do something. Like if I'm going to go work out that day, it has to be the same decision as me deciding to brush my teeth, right? I, I can't – like I feel just better doing it. And if you just have the thought in your mind like I have to do this because this is just a daily task and before you know it, you worked out 30 days straight and you're actually seeing results because you didn't question whether or not you were going to do it or wake up early that day. You just did it. So – People that have trouble attaining certain things and even their little goals throughout the year, I just think it's just a lack of discipline and a lack of desire to really change the way that they go about life. So, And that can be changed, though. 100%. No one's, like, hard-coded to be lazy. 100%. And You, know, you don't I think mean, anyone's hard-coded to be lazy? Uh, I wouldn't say hard-coded to be lazy, but some people might be too far gone to bring back. Really? I, I tend to think from a training perspective that nobody is, and that's really <laughs> yeah. my job. Your job it's not – you know, give up on anybody or feel like someone can't get to a certain point where they need to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think anyone is, is worth fighting for to help them do something. But, uh, but yeah. And again, yeah, some people are easier than others. Some people take a really long time and they need constant reinforcement from outside forces, whatever it is. Um, and some people can just do it themselves. So it, it really depends on the person, I think. For sure. I mean, I agree with you. I don't think anyone's far gone away at some point in time. There is, you could. I mean, like you said, there are some people farther than others. That just refuse to change, too. Yeah. I and mean, you don't want to waste your time on someone that's not going to. 100%. Um, so you're more of a small goals kind of person, right? Small personal goals. Yeah. Um, smaller, I should say. And then per year, I, every year it changes or kind of stems out from the previous year. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you feel about people who have or what do you – you live with your girlfriend right now at home and um, – what if she came out and said, you know what, I'll have this long time, long-term goal. 
this is my goal long term. Yep. And um, I just say girlfriend because it's more personal, but you're and you're a short term goal kind of person. How do you how do you combat something or someone who you genuinely care for and want to do better with, right? When they have a change or a different perspective. So this is more like a no, I don't want to say conflict management because I feel yeah. like it goes back to your job. But more in a personal sense, how do you balance that? Like your self-inculcated, hey, smaller goals to someone who wants to do a bigger goal. Yeah. And, and it might not ever happen. Maybe she wants the same things you want. No, 100%. But if it happens, how do you kind of combat it? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely something you just have to work through. And you have to understand that anyone, you know, whether it's just uh, like a relationship like that or a friendship that – that's something you have to understand is that not everyone sees the world the same way as you do. And if they have personal goals and you're, you know, you're that closely, whether it's my, you know, my girlfriend or a friend, you have to support them regardless. I mean, there's no way I have the right to say you should feel a certain way or do something else that you're not passionate about. Um, cause I wouldn't be doing them justice by, by thinking that or doing that. So, and I wouldn't feel right if someone told me that if I had a huge passion to achieve something within 20 years and they said, you know what, that's not on my list of things that I want to do. And I don't want to partake in that journey. Then, you know, maybe that stuff doesn't add up down the road, but um, if you feel that comfortable with someone, you have a relationship with someone, I feel like you have to support each other regardless of what what their goal is, even if it doesn't exactly align with what you're trying to accomplish. You know, and plus, if you're with someone that just wants to do all the same exact things as you do, it's not fun. It's not fun. Like, you got to have some <laughs> some sort of... Uh, you have to broaden your Yeah, there's got to be something challenging in it. You know, yeah. there's got to be differences that you have to overcome because that's what makes it stronger overall, so... Yeah. Um how has it been? Because I know, and people don't know this, but you made personal, big personal strides, right? You just got a house. Congratulations. Yep. Thank and you. That's where we're recording this. So yes. Awesome setting. Yes. Um, how hard, if it has been hard to manage that with your, you know, you also got just got a promotion. And yeah, you're just ooh, killing it. Shout every, out. Shout every, out. Look at all these great things I'm doing. Every facet. <laughs> but you also had to, at one point, balance it, right? Like you getting a house, getting a job i mean that job of promotion yeah. so what and i don't want to say advice because i feel like me or you neither was in a great position to give advice but what what would you recommend to people because it's so short I, mean, I, know, right? <laughs> I know we're better than that <laughs> who we are um uh, but what advice would you give people because i know people who work their ass off like i know people work their ass off and they're so tight up in what they do because they yeah. want a better life for themselves or people they love but they forget and it's hard for them I mean, it's not that it's all their fault but it's hard for them what, what advice do you have for people that help you back? Because I think you've done great. I personally think you've done great in balancing that and you've come out successful for now. I know people can't see me, but I'm literally blushing right now. Yeah, so it's, it's, beautiful. Compliment. it's gorgeous. But <laughs> I'm what, lighting up. What would you, what would you tell them? It's hard because I know it's hard. So what would you tell them? 100%. Um, you know, life's pretty crazy. So a lot of things happen that you didn't expect. And you got to handle a lot of things at once. I mean, it's so funny because you think you know what you're doing at like 18 or 21. If you don't know. <laughs> I thought I knew everything. You don't 18. know a goddamn thing about what is going to All the 18-year-olds listening, you don't know a goddamn thing. A goddamn thing. 18 to what, 21? And you think, yeah, I mean. All the 18 to 21-year-olds listening, you don't know a Honestly, honestly, I feel like it literally takes someone to get to like. 25 to like actually begin to comprehend like what life still don't know what you're doing still know what you're doing but to even comprehend like the game of life and all the things that come up the shit that's coming and the shit that's coming because like <laughs> a lot of stuff has happened to me within the past like couple of years i would say 
but it doesn't even compare to the stuff that's going to happen in the future, oh, you know? Yeah. And so hopefully good things, but yeah, there's going to be hopefully good things, but there's going to be challenges and tribulations and that's fine. Like that's what yeah. comes with life. But, um, I think people just need to be aware of that. And when you think you have it all answered, you definitely don't. And I think it's people to be aware of that. And again, for those people that are like stuck in a job that they don't enjoy, even if they're making a lot of money, you know, I think, I think it's fine to stay there for a little while. If you have like, financial constraints and you really just you just need to get it done for a couple of years or so before you feel like you're comfortable enough to move on. But I wouldn't say don't stay in any place too long where you feel like your skill or talent is going to waste and you're not happy and your personal life is sacrificing because of it. Um, you know, life is too short for that. I understand people have certain issues that they need to get through and, you know, they feel comfortable in their job and they know it's a steady thing that they have, but it's a slippery slope because before you know it, you're 10 years down the road and you're like, wow, I didn't even, you know, I just wasted my life in this career and I made money along the way. But so let me ask you this, right? So your job, you obviously love at this point, like what you do, right? Cause it fits everything, everything, everything. Like love. Yeah. yeah like love. Love is a big word. <laughs> love is a big word. So hasn't said it to me. So love is a big <laughs> word. But if you take that, right? So you like this job a lot and you just got this house, you know, you're making moves, you just got this promotion and yeah. all the good things. Three months down the road, something happens. You get a horrible boss. You get a horrible coworker. The job is just not what you thought it would be. Would you quit? Because I feel like you're someone who has a bunch of things on the line right now, right? Would you quit? Uh, I would definitely stick it out until I found another opportunity. I definitely so, wouldn't just quit on the spot. Okay, so you wouldn't just be like, you know what? I'll deal with that part later. But yeah, like, no, there's, now, there's, I, I think there, there's just too much at risk at this current point in my life, but. I would be confident enough that I'd be able to find something relatively quickly. Um, now, when people leave companies when they're not totally happy or ecstatic about it, a lot of them realize that the grass is not always greener on the other side. And when they jump ship and go to another company, it's even worse. What then they look back and they're like, did I even make the right decision? Yeah. So sometimes things are rough at a certain company that you're at and you, know, you feel like it's never going to get better. But don't always think that jumping ship and just sticking it out for a little while isn't the right decision because, yeah. you know, I, I've experienced a number of people that left because they weren't happy. And then the they contact thing. me later on and say, man, this I think I might've made the wrong decision. I don't like anybody I work with. I don't even fully understand like That's what my think. job. That's what people think, right? The grass is always greener. On always, the side. always. And they promised me all the stuff in my interview and now I'm not even doing that. So, you know, it, it's a balance. And again, I always say you don't want to look back. You make a decision. You just live with it and you move forward because the, the worst thing you can do is just constantly look it back and just go through what ifs. But um, but yeah, I mean – but again, back to the original point is that you don't want to stay in anywhere too long where you feel like you're not progressing or growing or learning. So, If I give you three options, right, to pick from, to rank one, two, and three, what is the most important for you in the job? The actual stuff that you do, your coworkers, or your boss? Now you've read articles for you personally. So you mean like for my own well-being? For you to stick through that job. All right, let's take what you do out of the ring because that's like unfair. So is it flat out how much you're paid, A, B, your coworkers, or C, your boss? If you had to rank the three things that would keep you in that job, what would it be? Boss has to be number one. You think if you had shitty coworkers and you had an average pay, but you had a great boss – you would still stick. Well, with okay, so now we're going to shitty coworkers. Yeah, I'm talking about 
the extremes. Well, so, let's say back. Because I think because I think first and foremost, you have to have a good manager. Otherwise, you're going to feel awful. Like they're not going to put you in the right places to succeed. Yeah. They're not going to be able to provide ongoing feedback and um, you know give you positive encouragement when you need it or constructive criticism when you need it. So. I think a boss right off the bat sets the tone for how you actually approach work every day. Do you get excited? Do you get motivated? Do you want to make them happy? Do you understand what their vision is? I think that's vitally important. Um, compensation definitely plays a part. Absolutely. You want to make as much money as possible. Um, I think as you progress in your career, you kind of fit into brackets where it's just, I don't know. I feel like at that point you've invested in yourself so much that it's just not. Yeah, and maybe you want more. Obviously, everybody wants more, but yeah. I feel like that takes a back. No, I think I think the more senior you get, the more I would say the compensation matters. But again, not to sell coworker shirt at all because coworkers make up a lot. They pull you, they pull you through it of your experience, I, you know. And I've had so many people in my current company say, you know, I would have left so much earlier if it wasn't for the people that I work with, and I I totally believe that. I mean, I love so many people that I work with and they, they're the ones that get you through the good times and the bad, you know, when they'll stick with it and you, and you make great relationships and great friends and without positive encouragement and having good friends in the workplace. I mean, I don't think anyone could really last long if they can't really confide in anyone or have like a real conversation with outside of your daily job responsibilities. So, so boss pay and then coworkers. But third is not I think bad. It depends, it, it, really, not it bad. depends on where you are in your life. If I'm just for you personally, for you, if I'm just starting out in my career, boss has to be number one because they're the one they're setting the, the the direction for you. Your responsibilities, they're the one kind of guiding you through the whole corporate mm-hmm. landscape. Um, money, I didn't even really care about. I just wanted a job, and then great coworkers was just an, uh, surprising, yeah, byproduct of just getting the job. So I didn't even really expect to really have great friendships come out of it but luckily it did so i guess co-workers and bosses something you realize later into the job right you never know how they're going to be until you actually are fully functioning yeah the calm you know yeah that is interesting because i always ask i think for me because i think the biggest thing if you even if you're making a lot of money somewhere and you hate your boss i mean oh, it's down you down don't want to you don't want to be there and i feel like i personally luckily i like my boss but if i didn't i you know you you interact with them so much and you know if you feel like you're not on the same wavelength and you have different priorities then I just don't think that's going to lead to a successful relationship. So that is true. I agree with you. I just like to like to know where people, because to me, those three things are always told to you in a job or in a classroom or in anything that, oh, the coworkers you go, your boss, you see all these memes. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The bad boss. Yeah, yeah definitely. Blah. And I was definitely. like, how much can you get through? But you said it depends on who you are and where you are in your. Yeah. But again, I think a lot of it has to do with your personality too. Like I, I thrive off of personal relationships and conversations. So if if I can't have that with anybody, yeah. then that's going to be an issue for me. But if there are people that are more introverted and like to stay at their desk and the majority of the work is on their computer, then coworkers would definitely be at the bottom of the list. Yeah. So And maybe even their bosses. They just like doing the day-to-day and, and getting the paycheck. So I think a lot of it depends on personality number one and then you know industry too. Let so. me ask you this. I think – when I see you, right, or when I met you for the first time, um, you have a big personality. You do. Yes. Uh, yeah, People I say I have a big personality, but I think our our personalities are different. We're same in the sense that we're very sociable, right? We talk to people. Yeah. We, get, we like to be in it. 100%. Uh, but for me, I'm more like, 
I'm not even close to as I'm competitive. I think I'm competitive. You're to me, you're a step above that, and that's what I feel. Because the first time I really hung out with you was when we like played kickball together, right? Yes. And you were very upset that we lost the first game. Yeah. But um, do you think that comes out to people as intimidating? Because to me, it was completely opposite. To me, when I saw you work and just at your job, and I think it was like I forget what it was, but it was a certain meeting you like presented or you said something, and um, to me, it was more motivation. I was like, all right, this is my age group. This is how the people are here. This is what I need to do. Yeah. Right? This is one level I need to get. And that helped me in my job to be at that level. Yeah. Do you think people find it intimidating? Have you ever got someone who you eventually become friends with to come back and be like, hey, you're, you were intimidating, but now I know you differently? Definitely. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Do you think it's a bad thing or a good thing? Uh, it could could definitely be bad. And I sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll look back and say, you know what, I should have approached that differently because, um, you know, everyone has their own personality and working yeah. style. And I, I actually train a lot of people on understanding what their strengths are, weaknesses are when it comes to communicating with people. So being that I do have, you know, a larger personality, um, I'm, I'm definitely competitive. Um, and I think sometimes passion might come across as, I don't know about aggression, but it could. It could, yeah, and, and people don't really resonate with that. Like I might come a little, and I'm, and I'm a straight shooter too. Like I will, I wear my emotions on my sleeve, and I'll tell someone exactly how I feel about something. So some people don't take kindly to that. Some people would rather just you know have a nice, easy conversation. When me, especially if my boss is communicating with me, I'll rather just her tell me straight up what exactly I need to do, and just don't sugarcoat it. I don't want any small talk because you wouldn't do the same. Because I wouldn't, right? And that's not that's not resonates with me. And she understands that, so that's how we communicate. But. Um, yeah, but I mean, if I'm in front of a room of people, um, I want my passion to come out because it shows that I enjoy what I do and I can't even get a message across, I feel like, from any trainer's perspective, if you don't feel strongly about it. Do you try to make a conscious effort that the passion doesn't come out? Definitely. Definitely. And and sometimes I can't even help it, though, especially if I'm talking about guest service, which has a lot to do with our industry. And, um, and at the end of the day, you want to put a smile on someone's face. So if it means going an extra mile or just saying your pleases and thank yous and going out of your way to provide information or just proactively do things, I think makes a huge difference in other people's days. So especially when they're do, they're taking their family out and spending a lot of money to do something, you have to make sure that they leave knowing that every dollar was well spent. Yeah. So if I can't accurately describe that passion, then I don't think I can expect them to bring that so out. So you're doing a disservice to yourself and to everybody. 100%. 100%. How important do you think that whole, like you said, you know, you, you understood that sometimes your passion come out as aggression. How important thing you want to tell people? Because sometimes there are things I want to shake people and tell them, like, don't do this. I did this. I messed yeah. it up, whatever. How important thing that whole self-introspect? Because I feel like that helped you even, uh, you know, throughout your career. Like you I feel like you've said in different parts yeah. where you realize that you need to A, not B, whatever. So how important do you think it's for people to self-introspect? And if you do it, do you do it in a formal setting? Like, do you actually have, let's say, like, you know, people have time to do yoga or whatever they do, but do you have certain formal settings where you self-introspect or you do that constantly throughout the day? Uh, what would you ask people to do but that would be easier? Yeah, I, I think I, I don't know. I do it pretty consistently. I mean, I don't know. Like sometimes if I have a conversation with someone, I feel like it didn't go that well. I'll think about it afterwards. And say, did I come across the right way? Did I say the right things? Do you do that to every com- like every intense conversation that you have? Maybe intense ones, yeah. Or if I just had one and I just left with an uneasy feeling. But do you think you're 
do you, I don't know how to put this, but do you agree a lot of times that you're, you're messed up or do you think majority of the time it's, it could have been better on both ends? I think one of the things I've gotten better at, and I, I honestly feel like I've always been good at is reading people and okay. understanding how they feel within the first, like literally 30 seconds to a minute of conversation. Um, and I think that's part of my job also as a trainer. Like you have to be able to read the room and understand how people are reacting to what you're saying. So being able to look at yourself and – And you do that in, in a personal setting too. Not oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I would say mostly in professional. I mean personal, you're going to get what you're going to get. And I already have my friend group and people that I like. So yeah, you know that's saying no new friends. I mean I'm pretty much there at this point in my life. So. <laughs> really? So you would not – you would rather or let's say because you know that personally you have a more – growth opportunity i want to say now networking no like like i think networking is a huge part of professional life so i don't want to say no new friends and the fact that i don't need any new relationships because those are huge so yeah. growing. but from a personal level for someone that i really like want to care about or you think they understand come out with somebody i mean i i don't really see how it happens unless i you know go to a new company i meet someone that i really like and we you know we, we hit it off really well i mean i don't know but um but being able to look at yourself and understanding where your weaknesses and shortcomings are is hugely important. And if you're not willing to work on those, then you're not really going to get What's any What's the far. best way to do it? Easiest, best way to do it. Um, honestly, there are several things that you can do online, whether it's filling out like a quiz or something where you can yeah. – where it will measure you on how you will react to certain situations and then give you a score and tell you kind of where you lie in a certain area when it comes to um, communicating with others. And you think how- that would work? Definitely. And, really how, those and how you can be perceived in certain situations um, and where you can come off really well and sometimes not so well. But you're talking about the real scientific ones, not the Facebook ones. No, 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 no. Scientific, <laughs> proven. Like actual proven. Like, like from HR technology, like I, I thoroughly believe like a lot of those are great because I've read several summaries on myself after going through it. HR technology? And they're like str- okay. totally accurate. Um, and it gives you ways that you can improve your way with communicating with different styles and uh, it, it's huge because if you refuse to flex the way that you actually talk to people, then that's just that's less and less people that you'll have a good relationship thing, with. Right? There's so many different kinds of people with so many different kind of backgrounds that you have to kind of grow yourself in a way to understand where they're coming from. Not, you don't have to agree. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, dis- you can disagree with every point that someone makes, mm-hmm. but to get yourself to a level where you start understanding where they're coming from, I think helps a lot. And that even, uh, Huge personal growth point. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that I, happens only with self-introspect. Totally. And I, I think you don't want like every other person to have the exact same feeling about you because otherwise you're not growing. You're not growing and you're not changing the way you communicate with me. You're just that same person every time. And again, consistency and authenticity is huge. But if someone likes to be talked to a certain way and you refuse to change the way that you address them, then you know that's on you and – People aren't going to like you for that, you know? So I always have to adjust the way I'm talking to somebody depending on what I know their interests are and how they like being spoken to. So, all right. Last question. Well, last two questions. Quick answers. Let's do it. If you could change one thing right now that you've done in your last five, six years, what would it be? One thing you could change or one, you could say an example of, you know, again, quick, a person you talked to and you shouldn't have said or some personal thing you did, what would it be? Uh, I, I honestly want to say I, w- I wouldn't change anything. <laughs> Classic. So I don't know if that's the response you wanted, but 
you know, honestly, like you, like I said earlier, you, you make decisions and you move on. So it might not have been the right decision at that point in time, but you know, it's what felt right. And even if it wasn't right looking back, then yeah, you know, it, it, it led me to where I am now. So, okay. Last question. What would you name this episode? Oh, man. You know, I heard this on your previous episode, and I didn't really think of a legitimate response. So, 25 seconds. I don't know. What did you think about it? What do you think would be fitting for this I whole conversation? Why does it have to be up to me? It's 100% up to you. I got a bizarre response last time, so I'm seeing how bizarre. Ready? You have five seconds. Four, oh. three, two, one. <laughs> He's not naming the episode. <laughs> This is difficult, man. I feel like we covered so much. I feel enlightened. Right, so you have time. You have, I'm giving you 20 final seconds to name this episode. Think about it. All right, I'm cutting. We're about to just keep going. Keep going. All right. Thank you so much, Andrew, for being on the podcast. Um, thank you was, for having me. It was great talking to you. Great insight, and um, hopefully everyone likes it. Message me, DM me on Instagram, Facebook. Um, don't forget to like the podcast. Uh, you can listen to the anchor on Google podcasts and on Apple podcasts. Um, if you guys have any problem getting to the links, let me know. And again, once again, thank you so much, Andrew, for getting me to your apartment and getting this place done. All right? Thank you, sir. Thank you.